Yes, people, welcome back to the 1894 podcast. It feels like a right throwback when I say podcast at the end of my intro. Because if you're an OG fan from YouTube, you would have known that my old intro on YouTube it is was welcome, welcome back to the 1894 podcast. But we had to rebrand it and change it just to the 1894. But this is, of course, the podcast, the Friday show, the Spotify show, where we kind of iron out our thoughts in a, in a longer version of, of what's you know, the events of the last week. And I think the only event in the last week worth talking about is... Uh, the Dortmund City game, you know, we've qualified for semi-final. I've got Joe and Dara here with me this week, so it's a triple threat. you got three people's opinions, three people's thoughts, and we've decided to bring in, I think if you listened last week, it is uh, the hashtag 1894podcast on Twitter. If you ever fancy letting us know your thoughts, just hashtag that. We will see that and just tell us we're idiots or uh, whatever suits you. Anyway, lads, let's let's crack into this straight away because... It was an unbelievable night. We did a live watch along, me and you, Dara. Joe, you were there too, of course, um, in the background. We all watched it together. We are officially Champions League semi-finals for the first time since 2016 when we were knocked out by Real Madrid, 1-0 on aggregate. And we're now playing against PSG, of course, who have the, the superstars that are Mbappe and Neymar. And, you know, they've got other decent players as well. How, how do we feel about that, Joe? I want to talk to you first because you weren't in any of the videos um, recently. I want to talk to you about your feelings on this. I mean, I, I, I've said this to Dara, I think. Uh, I think Mbappe and Neymar are their only threats to us. I'm not discounting players like Di Maria, who can still you know, come up with something, but it's clearly obvious that it is Mbappe and Neymar as the main threats. Um, we have a much better squad, but squads don't win you games. They win you titles, so... I'm fairly confident we've got the look that the fact that we're in Paris first, the away leg is first, that's advantage us. I'd say if we come out of that, you know, even if it's a score draw, if we come out of that just not losing, I think we've got a very good chance. And I do think the winners ultimately will be one of us or PSG. I think it would come from our side of the group, of the tie. Yeah, the other semi-final, of course, is Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Both decent teams, but I don't feel they're on the same level as ourselves and PSG. But you touched on um, having better squads there a second ago, and I do think you're right. I do firmly believe that on paper, we have a much better overall squad, better squad depth. Now, I want to touch on their game against Bayern the night before. We did a live watch along for that as well. If any of you listen now or there for us with that. Um, you would have known our thoughts and opinions then, but we're going to chat about it now. I think, Dara, you can give your opinion on this now in a second as well. Oop, bit of a voice break. Uh, I Is think I, <laughs> that's the thing about doing podcasts. You can have those moments, and it doesn't really matter. You don't have to redo it. But um, I think what I noticed about Bayern was that, yes, they're a decent team going forward, even though they ran out of creativity and they were lacking clin- um, being clinical going forward. I think as a defensive unit, we are much better than them. And that's what gave... Mbappe and Neymar, the freedom and the space to do whatever the hell they want and look fantastic. I just don't think, yes, they will pose a threat. I just don't think they will look as good against our solid defence. If our defence is in top form, it won't make Neymar and Mbappe look as good as they did in both the legs against, or yeah, at least the second leg against Bayern Munich. Well, what are you thinking, mate? Yeah, no, you're spot on there, man, to be honest, but... I think it goes in both ways as well. I thought Bayern made PSG's defense look a lot better than they were. You reckon? And they still looked, and they still looked pretty dodgy. But Bayern just couldn't finish. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I do agree with you. I do think Bayern very quickly ran out of ideas, and I don't know. Does that highlight the fact that they rely on Lewandowski so much? I don't know. Does it make them a one-man team or a two-man team? Obviously, missing Nabry as well was a massive loss. Bayern didn't look 
the same attacking threat, the same, you know, penetrating attacking force they did last season when they uh, put what was it, eight past Barcelona or something. They were scoring for seven past Tottenham as well. Seven past, like these crazy cricket scores in Champions League matches. And they just didn't look like that. But um, we can kind of forget about that side of things um, because it's it's just clear as day we're much better as an attacking outfit than Bayern Munich. I think the defence, if, if we're going to compare PSG's game to Bayern Munich to what we can expect possibly from our tie with PSG, it's that our defence has to be, I, 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 without sounding arrogant, it has to be better than Bayern Munich's. They play this ridiculously high line that we don't play, of course. It's not the way Pep plays. We don't play a high line. And that high line is what gave Mbappe and Neymar so much space and room to to do whatever the hell they wanted. Um, it was it's very much root one football PSG play. They break up your your attack or your counter attack, whatever style it is you attack. They break it up through decent defense and decent attack. They're not bad defense. I don't think they're amazing. They're not bad. They break it up, lump it over Bayern's high line, and and Mbappe puts on the burners, or else Neymar gets on and he does some, some mad flick and lays it off for Mbappe. It's very much root one football. Not beautiful on the eyes. Looks cool when it works, but it's definitely not as dynamic and, and as powerful as as our you know attack and threat when we're in full force and um, joe do you do you have any thoughts on that any any analysis on that yeah i think if psg just based on the fact that our team just it is much better player for player um if they try to go toe-to-toe with us i think they'd just get battered so they'll do the same as dortmund the only thing that's on our side at the moment is defensive injuries they lost Marquinhos to the first leg against Bayern. Um, How long is he out for, if, uh, if you don't know, or if you remember me asking? Here, I'll take a look. Yeah, I don't know, which is the only thing. I don't know how long these injuries are, whether they'll be back or not. But as it stands, Marquinhos is injured. Diallo is injured. Florenzi wasn't there. Bernat wasn't there, because Rawa wasn't there. Um, they've been playing a CD. They played a, in the second leg. They played, is it Danilo Pereira? He's actually oh, yeah. a defensive midfielder at centre back, just to fill in bodies. So, yeah, it's a it's a case of it's their defence not being great, but again, it's our attack just not being the best. Really, we're not finishing loads of chances off quite often, especially when we have players like Jesus and Sterling in there, who just you can't back them to score on one on one most of the time. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. I agree. You got a point there, have you? Yeah, no, I'm back. Fair enough. Right. Um, I I do agree that we are a bit lackluster in front of the goal, and we're not, you know, we're not putting away as many chances as we should be. But I still, I still don't want to, you know, sit here and do this podcast while we're in high form after getting to the stage of the competition and be like, oh, PSG, they're not as good as us. The thing is, when you have those two trump cards in in Neymar and Mbappe, they're game winners in their own right. They're so fucking good, those two, that they can single handedly or as as a, as a pair win PSG the whole tie and possibly the whole competition. So we have to be fully aware of that and give them that level of respect. But I, I, I do see what you're saying, that on paper, if we're in top form, I, I, I don't see a world where we, we can't at least give them a really, really good run and give them a chance. I don't know. They also have the experience PSG in having played this stage before. <laughs> as, as a team, we haven't. And we have so many players who haven't played this stage before. Um, so it'll, it'll be a new experience for City. And that can work in two ways. That can work in, in, in the sense that it's it's a new stage. It's a bit frightening. You know, we did well to get here. And it's kind of like, you know, that's success in its own right. Or else it can be like, listen, we got to the stage because we're good enough. Let's fucking go for it and, get, and, 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 you know, give PSG a run for their money. Um, but I think 
before we possibly talk about that tie a little bit further, because we're going to do definitely a review and maybe another podcast on it as well next week, depending on um, how much content we put out next week. Let's talk a bit about the Dortmund game last night. It was such a roller coaster of emotions. Um, before the game in our in our pre live stream, and um, you know the live stream started and we're, and we're waiting for kickoff, we're sitting there saying we could do it. This is our night. Um, it's going to be a night to remember, and it did turn out to be ultimately. But as soon as the first ball was kicked, it was crystal clear. Dortmund were set up like an absolute rock. You know, defensively they were phenomenal. I have to give them the least in the first half, and then of course they got their goal in the 15th minute through Jude Bellingham. I'd actually like to talk about Jude Bellingham a little bit and what we think about him and his future. Because over the two legs, he's in the top five players in the pitch. The guy was absolutely fantastic. He was ruled out um, a perfectly fine goal. I will say that. It was a perfectly fine goal in the first leg. And then he got his goal. Of course, his first ever Champions League goal. I think Joe said it in our stream last night. We make careers. <laughs> so he first goal or um, the first goal in a while. Let's talk a bit about him. Um, Dara, what, what do you think of Jude Bellingham? Terry was sick. He was just he he was running it, and not only is he good going forward, but he was making the most tackles. Like I think he had the most tackles left. He was the player who was left in the Champions League who had the most tackles. Is what the stat was. I don't know how to word it properly. Obviously, he's not in it anymore, but um, <laughs> he's been. I thought he was class. Both legs, he was class. Like you said, he had the goal rolled over absolutely nothing. Yeah, and had the referee been good at his job, it probably. Would have stopped because he blew the whistle before the ball went in the net. Yeah. So no, he's he's an absolute exceptional talent, and I know you can tell me if I'm jumping the gun here a little bit because they're two very different players. But in terms of mindset and characteristics and the way they approach their professional careers and and the way they approach the game and they got that aggression and attitude, I would compare him very much to Phil Foden. Two very young men. Obviously, they're both English, but they both seem to have an unbelievable level of maturity. Um, at their really young ages, Bellingham's only seventeen. If you didn't hear already, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's just on the odd chance, didn't it? Yeah. He's only seventeen, but he was he was playing like a twenty three, twenty four year old last night and last week. Yeah. Um, I think before we hit record for this podcast, did one of you tell me there was a few moments where he was squaring up to some of our season players? Yeah, Gundogan and him kind of went head to head, but well, it wasn't really a head to head. Gundogan was just trying to batter him, but it was fine because I think like Bellingham. I, you said you compare the Foden. I'd compare his play style more to Bernardo Silva, but actually with a little bit more creativity. Hold on. Just, just I, I'm definitely, definitely. Before anyone shoots, um, shoots shots at me, I'm not comparing them as players. I'm just oh, comparing yeah. them purely based on the way they approach their careers and and their mind frames, how mature they both are. I mean, for a 17 year old, the level of maturity and the level of you know desire that Jude Bellingham has shown just over those last two games we've watched. I would. It's it's a fantastic professional mind frame he's adopted at such a young age. No, I'm I'm certainly not comparing those players. I think as players, Foden. I'm going to give my guys uh, definitely the, the merit here. He's, he's streets ahead. But um, you compare him to Bernardo Silva, you reckon as, as a player? Not obviously. Bernardo's a better player, and that'll come with the the experience he has over him and the fact that he's won a lot more, but which Bellingham definitely can win. But Bernardo, they both have an unbelievable amount of. Unbelievable amount of energy. They never yeah, stop yeah. pressing. They have an eye for goal. They can set someone up just as easy. But he's he can be he can be anything. Like you know what I mean? He can be he can actually literally be the term box to box. Mm-hmm. Good at the back and great going forward. I think the Dortmund move for Bellingham was absolutely game changing. Game changing. Yeah. Obviously, he was doing very well for Birmingham and he's earned his transfer to Dortmund on merit. But 
I, I hate to I hate to be a dampener for the Dortmund fans when we're talking about one of your superstars or future superstars is that the guy is ultimately going to come back to the Premier League and play for a big team. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. He's, he's, he's Birmingham born and bred. He's English, obviously. He knows what it means to play in the Premier League. He knows what it means to win a Premier League. And I'm sure it's in his dreams as a child to, to, to win a Premier League. So I think when he gets maybe two, possibly three more good years under his belt, playing regular Champions League, hopefully with Dortmund, <laughs> playing week in, week out in the Bundesliga against teams like Bayern Munich, Bayern Leverkusen, Schalke, all these other decent teams in, around Europe. He'll mature even further and he'll make a fine Premier League player, is my guess. But I want to touch on the just the international side of things very briefly. Joe, you are our resident Englishman, right? England are of course <laughs> playing England are of course playing in the Euros this summer. And Southgate's obviously not picked his team just yet. But I have heard and I've read quotes from Southgate saying he really, really likes Jude Bellingham. And Southgate and England are known to regularly pick a wild card type player to go to competition, someone that they've not seen too much of in the in the England shirt, but you know, he could come in and, and spring a surprise in the opposition because they don't know too much about him. What do you think on the idea of Bellingham in the English team? Do you see a place for him? It depends. I I can I can easily see a place for him in the squad. Um because he has obviously he's been in the squad before. I think he was in the most recent qualifiers. I think it does depend on also injuries we've got to the squad. Players like Madison, Grealish, um, players like that. Because Grealish hasn't made the squad the last couple of times. Madison hasn't through injury. So there's a bit of luck in there as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does, as I say, come if Jordan Henderson isn't fit as well. You know. He's a good player. I do expect Southgate to pick him because he does have his favourites and he seems to really like a player like Bellingham. Yeah, for sure. I think I think he's he's definitely worth a punt, um, Jude Bellingham. And Southgate must have a crazy headache right now. It's a fantastic position to be if you're if you're an Englishman regards Southgate as well. You've got so many young talents and experienced talents and players like Kane and Rashford to choose from. And it's just a matter of him from an English perspective getting that selection correct and uh, you know, you'll be open to do the business in the Euros this summer. But another Dortmund player I want to touch on is someone we spent so fucking long talking about in the build-up. And let's be real, fellas, he didn't deliver. Erling Haaland, 180 minutes against City and he had one shot on goal. I thought he looked lazy at times, he looked lacklustre, he looked possibly disinterested at times. And listen, I get the strikers can fade out of games and then the good ones come in and they have a moment of magic where they'll pull something off and he did nearly have one in the first leg when he got past Diaz and made Diaz look like a little child but I think overall in, over the two legs there's nothing to make you go wow this kid is amazing for the first team in the Champions League he's never scored against um, I don't know did the occasion get to him was he nervous was he disinterested let's have a little bit of a, a conversation about that Dara I want to talk to you first about Haaland tell me, tell me what you thought Honestly, I think he's a, I think he's a bit disinterested. He knows he be leaving during the summer. They're not. They were heavy underdogs against us, regardless of whether they scored or not. He was. They were heavily underdog, rightfully so. They're six in the table, aren't they, Joe? Yeah, six. Yep. Right, six in the table. Probably not going to get Europe. They've just been knocked out. I. He. He's not going. Like you're going to see a huge difference in numbers. At the start of the season compared to now. It's just going to dip off because I don't think he cares anymore. Because he knows he's not there for the future. It must be really hard as a 20-year-old. Like, I'm 21 myself, and I'm sitting here thinking, wow, imagine I was in a position where you got six of the world's biggest and richest clubs all chasing after you. It must be really hard to 
stay focused on your task at hand. And I, and I get people will say you have to be professional about it and you have to, you know, keep your head focused on the task at hand. But listen, he may look like a man, but the guy's 20. You know, it's really, yeah. really hard, I'd imagine. You know, he's got all this smoke being blown up his arse by journalists and, and, and clubs telling him we want you or willing to offer you, what are the numbers thrown around, 35 million a year? 35 million after tax. Yeah. That's like, euro. That's euros as well. Crazy stuff. So, and what a silly time it was for Raiola and his father to open up this whole saga right before their tie against us in the Champions League. What a silly time to take his focus away from what should have been the biggest tie of his career. And I, I find the whole thing very frustrating from his perspective. It's definitely calculated. Though. That was definitely, they put that out the time of it. That well, was. They didn't, they didn't do many favours. They really no, didn't. Oh, no, no, no. That, that was the point, though, I, I think. What would have been a smarter decision was let him play this tie against City um, with the public completely unknown as what their plans are, what their movements are. They could have done stuff behind the scenes, but making the whole saga so public, making it clear we're going to Barcelona today, Real Madrid this afternoon, then down to London tomorrow because we want all these clubs to tell us how much they're going to pay our boy. That was really silly. They should have waited until at least the Champions League uh, tournament was over for them, depending on how far they got. Waited for that to end and then maybe started planting the seed to the public of his desire to leave i thought that was a really really silly move and if i was Holland, i'd be saying dad mino the fuck were you doing there you know i'm, I'm a young care. man as I much as i like i like him as a player right he clearly has his head outside of Dortmund. well he you know think obviously he will say i don't it just wasn't my night but yeah. what the point i think we're all making here is that as a 20 year old his head just couldn't have been fully in it what we can sit here and say he's a great player he's a professional we can admire him but on a human level, I always talk about this because we put football players and um, professional players at the highest level on, on, on a massive pedestal that they're robots. And we love throwing that term around. But as a human, you have to understand what I'm saying. It's really hard for him to, to focus on this task when literally within days before he's been told, you know, this club's willing to buy him for this money and give him and his agents this amount of money per year and transfer fees and, and signing on fees. It was really unfair, I think, on him. It didn't give him the best chance to to really show the world and show us what he's capable of doing. Um, Joe, what, what are your thoughts on the whole Haaland thing in the last two weeks, from, from Transfer Saga to, of course, obviously playing against us twice? It was a mess, a farce. Just take your pick of words. The time was all wrong. They should have waited. Even if they did get knocked out, still should have waited until after that. You know, he he. There was a lot of people on Twitter throwing hints when he came up wearing blue shoes and he had a blue bag and it was all of that. Oh my God, he wants to come. You know, he swapped shirts a couple of times, talked to Foden. There was all of that, but really, it's been all over the place. I mean, we know his agent, Mina Raiola. I think everybody in football knows him. He likes to do that. He likes to do it a lot. He loves doing this. He loves trying to do this, mess around clubs, get loads of money. The money is astronomical and he's good but I don't think he's worth that much money I mean just it's no not for me if I'm City I'm looking at my options and saying we could get better value for money what I'm kind of looking back on the whole two last two weeks two three weeks you know the inclusion of the Haaland transfer news that kind of busted out of nowhere just before our tie was the money that Raiola is allegedly looking for from a, a club trying to sign Haaland is allegedly this is now of course allegedly is that um they want 150 million to 160 million for a transfer fee they want 20 million for 
Rayola, 20 million for Alfie Haaland, and then of course whatever fucking wages um Erling himself is gonna get. If 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 Alfie and Erling as as you know father and son really care about the development of Erling's career and, and how he develops as a professional and gets the most success and of course the most money. That's always a massive thing for players. They do want the most money. Um, why in God's name is Mino Raiola in the question? If if they, if he's got two agents, two agents that will require signing fees in his father and Mino Raiola, why is that there? It's going to turn clubs away. You're not just paying one agent then for getting their, their client into your club. You're paying two. What's the point? It's not doing him any favours. Mino Raiola clearly just cares about the money. I don't care what anyone says. He just cares about the money. He likes doing it publicly, get as much traction on the story as possible, create as much attention and build as big a saga as possible because he likes the, he likes the, the egotistical side of things. Why couldn't it just be a case of Erling and Alfie, you know, focusing on, of course, getting plenty of money because he, deser- he deserves it, but why not his, his football career? He's got so much potential. He's already proven he can play at the highest level. He's proven he can take a step further. Why not just focus on that? Why why have this bastard Raiola in the equation who's just throwing a spanner in the works? And I personally think when we saw those figures, the 150 plus 20 plus 20 plus, plus wages, so many clubs who were originally in the running for him are going to be turned away. Even the biggest and richest of clubs are going to be like, listen, you're very good, but to get you on the plane to our country for 200 million it's not happening. It's just not happening. You can stay at Dortmund and do another year there, and we'll talk then. We don't care. We can survive without you. I, I, I find it mind-boggling some of the decisions they made as as uh, a representative team in, in Alfie and, and Mino Raiola. I found, the first of all, the figures, like I said, they announced, and the timing of it. I found the timing of it from Erling's perspective. I feel bad for him. It was abysmal. It was really was. But just as kind of like a follow-on to that, we will talk a little bit more about the Dortmund game, but as a follow-on to that kind of city striker transfer link saga, whatever you want to call it, this morning, we got the news, of course, that um, some journalists have been releasing or leaking that Erling Haaland is no longer City's striker target. It's Harry Kane. How, how do you feel about that being the main target instead, him being the main target instead? Yeah, Dara. Um, honestly, I, I prefer it. In the grand scheme of things, right, Kane's going to come in. You know what he can do. He can hit 30, he can hit 40 a season. You add even half of Kane's goals into that. Like, sorry, just, just probably building that. Jesus and Aguero combined have probably about 15 goals, maybe. Luckily. Mm. If you're lucky, probably about 15 goals between them this season because everything's coming from the midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Put, right? Put Jesus, because Jesus will be benched regardless. We will get a new striker. Jesus is bench. Imagine bringing another 30 goals into the City team. Oh, we win everything. I don't, yeah. see, I don't see where we don't. And win. he's guaranteed thirty goals as well. He can get yeah. injured. He he can get injured for two months. He gets thirty goals. He always does it. Yeah, he's like he's unbelievable. I I remember when he first came onto the scene. I was always like, oh, it's gonna be the one season one. one season one there. He's gonna finish if he says in the he'd be top scorer of all time. I I do I think that and he was he's been slightly linked Kane with PSG. Uh, uh, Madrid re- re- reuniting with Pochettino, someone who knows very well, and there's talk of Mbappe leaving PSG, which frees up a lot of wage space for someone like Kane to come through. But I think, as an Englishman, as the England captain, as someone who's played in the Premier League for so long and clearly desires to win a Premier League, I think the Shearer record is something that he's chasing, and I think we're better in England to do that than City. And um, Joe, what do you think of, of Kane to City rather than Haaland? I mean, this season his all-round play has gone up another level. I mean, he's top goal scorer in the league, top assister in the league. I mean, 
even if he doesn't bag every single week, you put him in this team, you're getting assists as well. Like, he's unbelievable. He'll cost less money. He's English. Again, like Darius said, he's guaranteed because he plays in the league. And I do think that on his mind is that goal-scoring record of he won't break it if he leaves. And I do think he wants to try and go for that. So, And if he's serious about wanting to win something, like a major trophy before he ends his career, I think for him, it's now or never. For sure. He's 27 now. We can't, we're kind of getting word. We don't know if it's official. We don't want to be putting words in his mouth, but that he's a bit fed up with Marine not happy with the, the the trajectory Spurs are on and I think that's fair enough personally I think that's fair enough a player of his quality you said at this stage needs to be starting to consider where are my best options to win trophies and I think at the moment there's no better club probably in Europe never mind England to win trophies than City um, I, I think the only barrier that will stop us um, getting him is of course the man that is Daniel Levy it, it's, it's common knowledge for a long time now that Levy despises selling his best players to other English Premier League teams. How much of a how how would you see City overcoming that barrier, Dara, of Daniel Levy and, and and you know coaxing them into selling Kane? Because I think it's gonna be if it is to happen, it's gonna be a matter of Kane is gonna to have to kick up a fuss. He's got three years left in his contract. He's gonna to have to bully his way out of the club. It's a very obviously not nearly to the extent of Kane, but it's a very Kyle Walker situation. Don't know yeah, if you remember yeah. a couple of, a couple of years ago when we saw him Walker he kicked up a fuss and he even had a knock in the training ground or something mm. to get his way out. Now, obviously, Kane won't do that. Kane won't want to tarnish his legacy, which yeah. I think is fair enough. You know, he's, he's um, for lack of a better word, he's the golden boy. He's England's golden boy. He won't want his reputation to go in the bin like that, which is rightfully so. I don't think anyone would want to drag their name through the mud like that, especially at Tottenham where he's a hero. He's going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. And I can't see why he would want to... Um, legacy, but if he wants to get a move and he wants to get a move now, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to do something. Mm-hmm. He's, whether it be public or private, where he goes to leave and says, "Look, I want to go." You you don't have to release this publicly, but I want to go. You can get as much from me as you can. Mm-hmm. Sell me. It's gonna I be. Agree. It's gonna I be where it comes from. I think Kane is going to. It's it's not going to be a case of City going to directly to Daniel Levy and saying we'll give you this amount of money because Levy's going to say, get out of my office. It's not happening. I think City are going to have to go straight to Kane and his representatives and say, listen, this is the plan. You can play in front of Kevin De Bruyne, beside Phil Foden, beside Riyad Mahrez, you know, in front of Bernardo, all these class players. See the amount of goals you're getting basically through just Kung Min Sun. You can get another 10 to 15 on top of that with our star quality players. And the thing is, if we get Harry Kane, I think there's a huge chance we keep Liam Delap. I think there's a huge chance the lap will want to stay. Yeah. It'll almost turn into a very similar situation that was David Silva and Phil Foden. When Phil Foden first broke into the city team, and people were, were kind of, you know, narrating this story that Phil Foden will learn off David Silva and, you know, apprentice and master kind of thing. And he did. It's, it's crystal clear Phil Foden did learn bucket loads off David Silva. He's kind of a, a hybrid now between De Bruyne and Silva. Imagine Harry Kane, the best striker in England. Let's not be under any illusions. He's the best striker in England at the moment. Mm-hmm. Imagine him. Training every single day beside Liam Delap, who City has, who who Pep has said will be training every single week um, next season onwards with the first team. What a mentor he would be. Delap and Kane are very similar players. They both yeah. have similar builds, similar attributes, and there's no better man probably in Europe 
for, for Delap to learn off. And then you can start integrating Delap into games. You can say when Kane doesn't need to play a game or Jesus isn't playing, whatever, you can say, Delap, here's your chance to show what you can do. And you'll probably see a constant progression, a constant building in, in Delap's uh, development. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think on the whole thing, Joe? I think Kane, if he's gonna if he's gonna leave, he's gonna have to actively like go to the board and say, "I am leaving," whether it be public or not. He's gonna have to he's gonna have to take it upon himself to want to leave because there's no chance that they're gonna sell if he you know stays quiet and stays put. But I do agree. I think Delap will stay on. He'll try and learn as much as possible. Um, I'm more than happy to see Delap come in and be deputy to someone like Harry Kane. Say if he gets injured, I'm more than happy for Delap to step in because we know how good he's been for the EDS. And when he has played a few minutes, I remember Bournemouth in the Cup early on in the season where he scored a goal. He's shown signs that he can be a top player, but he's going to cost less money. And yeah, the only thing that's stopping him is... Levy's a businessman at the end of the day and he wants to keep his assets and he's not going to sell for cheap and his contract ends in 2024 so he does have three years left and it'll be difficult but it's something that if things go our way we can definitely pull off because we have the pulling power to be able to do it. Yeah, for sure. I, I do I do agree with you. I think City, like I said, are going to have to go straight to Kane, propose their plan to him and then he can then decide if that's what he wants. If City's where he wants to go, he can go and say to Levy, listen, I know you probably don't want to send me to there, but I want to go there. And if you're not going to make that happen, if you're not going to make it an easy road for me, that's your choice. But I, I ultimately want to end up there. And then it's it's not going to be an easy saga. City are just going to have to propose their plan to Kane and see what he thinks. And then we just have to watch the whole thing unfold. There'll be constant updates. Um, if, it, if this is what's going to happen, there'll be constant updates on Twitter and Sky, Sky Sports News. You know, Kane has said this. Levy's not allowing this, that, the other. It'll be, I promise you, players of high profile like this, like Haaland, like Kane, like Messi last summer, we got a taste of it. They're long, drawn-out sagas. They are never straightforward. It's never a case of bid, accepted, negotiation uh, of wages, agreed, five-year contract signed. It is so long and drawn out, and it'll be so painful. But um, I think if we were to acquire Harry Kane into our team, he's actually just the last piece of the jigsaw. He really is. We have such unbelievable quality from, from back to front, all areas of the pitch, bar that number nine position. And it, it's actually scary to think what we could achieve with a player of his calibre in that position in our team. What do you think, Dara? Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat as you, especially just going back to your, to your Kane and the lap point. I think, now this, this, could be, this could be a bit of a hot one as well, right? But the lap not being integrated this season, I'm not going to say it's going to be that poor on him, but Aguero, I feel Aguero, even in training, could have definitely taught him a lot more. Just the year before he leaves, obviously, he could have helped him. He could have helped nurture him. Jesus, not so much, because Jesus is still young for that, and he's not really a striker. But if the lap was full-time training with Aguero, like, say, Foden was with David Silva, maybe he could have taught a bit. But I'm not Pep. I trust Pep. I trust him with any young player. But... It's. I I I agree with you. He is just going back to Kane now. Sorry, he's definitely the. Uh, he is the last piece of the jigsaw. He, if you add, if you add twenty minimum twenty goals, probably thirty goals, and probably double digits assists into this team as well, you're not stopping us. 
it also it, takes it, massive pressure yeah. off Kane. It takes massive pressure off Kane, um, mm -hmm. which pressure he, he currently feels at Spurs every single week, week in, week out for years now to deliver both assists and goals. He no longer has that sole pressure. It's spread evenly amongst all these top players. But on your Aguero point, I, I do agree the lap could possibly have learned a bit more off Aguero, but they're very different people and Aguero has been injured for so, so long that it's kind of hard for the lap. The lap's not really had a striker role model. The lap is someone, the reason we're talking about him for, your, for the listeners, the reason we're talking about the lap is because we really admire him. Myself, Joe and Dara have all watched plenty of the EDS team. He is a smashing, smashing young player and his stats in the Premier League two speak for themselves. And we see, we do see a future Premier League club. But he's actually not in his whole time at the club. Definitely in his periods training with the first team or playing with the first team, had a, a real figure in front of him in line. Who he can feed off and learn off, and they can you know, they can speak to each other and give each other tips, or you know, older man give younger man the tips. But Harry Kane is actually now that we're having this conversation, it's kind of ironed it out for me in my head. There's actually no one better in the country for the lap to do that for him than him. They're both Englishmen. They both want to win Premier Leagues. They both Harry Kane's the captain of England. He's doing exactly what the lap has probably dreamed of as a child, playing for England, captaining England, scoring goals in, in World Cups and Euros. It would be such a such a boost for the young the young generation in the city players like Delap, probably Foden as well. Even you know if they played together in England, there's there's so many pluses to bringing in Harry Kane. And let's not forget he's a seasoned, proven Premier League star. Bring in Erling Haaland. Of course, we would love to see Haaland. We're not sitting here, lads, saying we don't want Erling Haaland. We get Erling Haaland, we're jumping with joy. But as as it stands, he's not our target. Just based purely off what we read on Twitter, he's not our target. Erling or um, Harry Kane's the man, and trust I, I me, really, bro. what's that? Source, trust me, bro. Source, trust me, bro. Harry Kane is the man, and he's having a bit of a wobbler with. Uh, Hopefully, with him right now. So listen, it's it's a really exciting prospect. Of course, Jack Grealish is linked as well. You're based, you can get Jack Grealish, you can get Harry Kane, two Englishmen coming into City. Uh, it would be. Not just fantastic for on the pitch relationships and, and performances, but it would also be brilliant for the dressing room. I think it was, it would be fantastic to get Harry Kane. But listen, we can talk about this till uh, till the cows come home with transfers and, and strikers we'd like to see at the club. But the bottom line of how we got on the topic was Erling Haaland didn't have his best performances against us in the last two weeks. Dortmund um, were really good. I think they were really good team for one-offs like that they can keep big clubs like us at bay but at the end of the day they don't have the uh the overall quality i, I think to take it to the next step but listen is there anything else you you think we should talk about lads before we wrap it up wrap it up yeah okay um joe how long have you been recording for about 35 minutes so i think that's a good time to that's a that's a sweet number that's a sweet on. number Right, okay. As always, uh, the new thing is, if any of you, for any reason at home, uh, listen right now, decide you want to have your say on any of our points we made on this podcast, just hashtag 1894podcast on Twitter. We will see it, and we would love to hear what you think. We love we love the interaction. We love seeing what other City fans have to think, and, of course, neutral fans too. Uh, we appreciate the listenership, as always. Do follow us on our socials at underscore the 1894 on Twitter. I think it is that on Instagram too. The 1894 on YouTube. Subscribe to us there. We're on the road to 200 subs. We would appreciate the support there too. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you in the next one.